How's everybody doing out there? I hope you're all doing well, and I hope you are enjoying this great fall weather we are having here in Colorado, and wherever you might be, I hope you're having great weather. I want to tell you a little bit about this podcast coming up. This is Mr. Jeremy McCree and Mr. Jack Miller. We go over 90s bands and artists, the ones that maybe you've forgotten about and the ones that you enjoy. This is a part one of a musical episode. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you dig it. I'm very lucky to have these two individuals in my life. I consider them very good friends and very good people. This was a part of my life here in the 90s, living in Colorado in my 20s and my early 30s, that I will always cherish. So going down and reminiscing about the experiences we had while living here during that time is really great to just be like, wow, yeah, that happened and that happened. But it also is just a nice way of showing you that we had an array of music tastes, an array of music uh, presented to us, and some really great um, backstage and meet and greet experiences. So without any further ado, here's the part one of the 90s bands and artists episode. Enjoy. Hi, this is Johnny. I'm your host, and you are listening to Music Seeds, the music that made us. Hey, everybody, and welcome uh, to Music Seeds, uh, music that made us. I have here with me again today, Mr. Jack Miller and Mr. Jeremy McCree. We are going to go down a rabbit hole of 90s artists that we listen to still to this day, why we listen to them still to this day. And I'm going to start off with one that, if he was still around today, I know I'd still be listening to his music, and that is Jeff Buckley. Jeff Buckley was one of these artists that had an album that broke called Grace, and there's been a lot of um, use for his albums I've heard in movies and stuff in the last 30 years. You hear his songs pop up every once in a while. They actually used him in, I remember, Vanilla Sky when that movie came out. But he was a son of another artist who died at the young also, and that was Tim Buckley. One of my favorite artists uh, that I wish was still around this day, I'd love to see what he's still doing, and that is uh, Jeff Buckley. Do you, you guys remember when that album came I, out? I remember the whole thing around Jeff Buckley. Was tra- he, uh, tragically, he died, he drowned in the Mississippi River, if I remember correctly. Yes, right? you're um, correct. He went swimming and he died, he drowned um, unexpectedly. He was on the cusp of becoming huge. Yes. I personally thought he was okay. I still think, I mean, I don't, I don't, to hold him in as high regard as you do, uh-huh. but that's just me. Yeah. Not that he wasn't talented, it's just not my not my cup of tea, so yeah, as yeah. I like to, to say. Um, but yeah, um, it was definitely, it's a shame that he was just breaking at that time, or just he was on the cusp of becoming mm-hmm. bigger mm-hmm. when tragedy struck. And that album, you know, it still sells really well. Who is this? That's Coda. Coda, everybody. Coda. I'm petting Coda right now. Hi, baby. How are you? And uh, the, the spirit of Jeff Buckley is apparently transpiring in uh, Coda right now. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he likes to get involved. Yeah. He wants to be part of this podcast. I can honestly say, having to look him up, 
You've heard the Hallelujah. That's what I was going to say. Hallelujah is probably his version of Hallelujah, I remember, but I honestly don't think I've ever listened to that album. And it's one of those things that it's not on my radar, and I need it to because I, I love his version of Hallelujah. You should I, hear I, I some do as well. Songs. I have to admit that I do. I do. I do enjoy that. And it's not like I haven't listened to it. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm with you, Jeremy. I might have to go back and revisit that now that my. Um, my view on him is different, or it could be different, because at the time, sometimes when things are pushed, like you should like this, right? You yeah. you tend some people like, yeah, yeah. like, or you tend to go, I don't have to like what you tell me to like, right. just because it's oh he was great, maybe he was. Now maybe now, given that the, the foresight, or I'm sorry, hindsight and time, uh, maybe I'll appreciate it more. Last goodbye is the song on there. It's really really good. He he had this distinct voice. And style and sound and he was definitely for that time something that was different than what was coming out and so that's why I think you know this was 94 a lot of artists were getting a lot of attention a lot of recognition you could see the industry was like oh singer-songwriters we're getting singer-songwriters you know and I think Jeff had a little bit of a break because his dad had a, a career but he definitely made a voice for his own who do you have you know you know if you I didn't know. I had a list uh, in front of me and I was looking at Bass and we actually spoke to a lot of those bands of the, from the albums that came out. But when you talked about Jeff Buckley, it made me think of someone who probably is a little more deserving of attention that he that hadn't really gotten is a William Topley. Yeah. Yes. Uh, William Topley. Yeah, I had to make sure he was a 90s guy because I'm pretty sure it was. But I mean, yeah, he was the lead singer of The Blessing, which kind of mm-hmm. got a little of, uh, traction with The Ring. And then he went out on his own. And I thought his, I really feel that his uh, solo stuff was far better than what he did with The Blessing. Um, I was lucky enough to see him live and actually sit next to him while yeah. he sang acoustically. Wow. You, you talk about a moment. I was at that show. I was at that show. We were, well, you were at that. I read, weren't you at the restaurant with us? Yes. We went, yeah. Yes. And I was sitting, literally sitting right next yes. to him while he sang with his guitar player playing next to him, him on the other side. Wasn't that oh, so dope? Oh, yeah. Anyway. No, it wasn't. No, it was, we were at, uh, it was a British restaurant on Colfax. It was pre-show. We went to the show That's after right. meet, the yeah. meet and greet. But at the meet and greet, he sang for us. That's right. What a, what a nice gentleman for yes. one. But and that, that, not even notwithstanding to the music, though. His stuff is just, uh-huh. I don't even know how to describe it. It's His kind of voice a, is just, yeah, he had yeah. that voice. And I, if you have not got a chance to check him out, I highly recommend yeah. digging into William Topley. There's an album called Mixed Blessing, which mm-hmm. has some blessing stuff and some stuff of his own yeah. um, that are just fantastic. Okay, so now I'm curious, because I have a story of William Topley after the show. Did you, <laughs> you guys didn't... Go to the after party for one of these shows. No, we. I mean, this was a. We went to a pre-party. I seen them two or three times. The show. I don't remember what what show it was. I don't this was. I think but, must know. have been in Boulder. I think I went to one of his shows. Okay. And there was an after party afterwards that he went to, and we all hung out at. There was. I think there was Sam Goody. There had to be Sam Goody people. There. I'm sure there was. And um, I'm gonna say this, and I'm, I'm I'll make a prerequisite note that he had no idea about this, as far as I know. He had no clue about it. I'm not trying to say he was, but this was back in my 20s, a little bit more adventurous, a little bit more wild. I was drinking, you know, quite heavily. This is one of these parties where it's a big house and somebody had a lot of money there and we were all there at this house. William Topley was there, but there's a lot of people from the record industry and from Sam Goody that I can't remember who it was there. And so I actually, at one point, was legitimately, okay, legitimately looking for a bathroom. Okay, like going upstairs and like, okay, where's the bathroom at? And okay, where's this going to? Where's this leading to? It was a big house. I kind of, I picked my head into this room and there's people in this room and there's this big pile of cocaine. 
I am not shitting you. Like, big pile of cocaine. Like, Scarface type Like, pile. Like, yes. And, of course, you know, somebody's putting their head down, you know, into there, you know, like, who the fuck's this guy? So the first words that come out of their mouth, because they're like, who are you, is, are you cool? You know? Right. And I'm like, I'm cool. And then, let's just say I was up for the rest of the night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that was one of my William Topley experiences at, at that yeah, show. Ours, ours weren't as... <laughs> um, <laughs> Caffeinated. <laughs> we had a, we had a nice time. We had a few pints with it. Well, there was like maybe six or eight of us from Sam Goody at that yeah. at that little meet and greet yeah. thing. Um, my wife Shailene was there. Of course, she's another music person, another Sam Goody person. Um, but yeah, there's a bunch of us there. But yeah, that we have a lot of shared memories. We have a lot of memories in the music industry in general. Yes. That one ranks up there. Because how often do you get to? I literally sit right next to someone you enjoy uh-huh. and have them perform. Now he wasn't performing for me, of course, but I was right sitting right next to him. It's like Jesse Cook, who is a fantastic flamenco guitar player, who I'm very enamored with. I got to see him play live, and I stood literally at his feet while he played. So those those kind of moments that, that was kind of like that. I I've had many experiences like that. In fact, one of my favorite bands that is on this list of experiences I had them in the '90s was being backstage at Red Rocks was Radiohead. <laughs> So I, I was fortunate. I don't know if it was the, f- what tour it was. I know it was one of the big like Kid A or uh, Amnesiac. Amnesiac. It was one of those one of those tours, and I was backstage at this show. You know, and getting ready to meet them. We were all in this like hangout area where there was beer and liquor and shit. But I have experience as far as like being back there, and hanging out and just drinking and having a good time and getting ready to meet them and going up to have a beer. I don't think I don't know if I've ever told this story on a podcast, but I I went up to go get a beer and I, I go and and I know what beer it was it was a fat tire and I go and I had to open it up and I look over to my left and Jack Johnson's right there right like right next to me oh, nice. and he was gonna perform the next night and it was his first show you know how people get like I think we were you know we've been veterans enough to where we meet people where we know we treat them like human beings yeah. so I looked over at him and I go. Oh hey man, and he's like hey, and I like, and I go to him. I go, you must be looking really forward to playing here tomorrow night. And he's like, oh my god, I'm so freaking psyched. And <laughs> anybody that knows, you know, that's our my favorite venue. It's just you guys. Well, God, it's most people's in the world who ever had. Yeah. You know, Red Rocks is God's hand cutting an amphitheater into the side of a foothill. It's. I'm sorry if you've never been, you must go. It's a bucket list item to see a at least a show at Red Rocks. Find a band you like, see them at Red Rocks. It'll change your life. Yeah. And I, that's not a hyperbole. And I've seen so many 90s artists come through there during that time and so many great memories. And that was one of my favorite memories and favorite artists from that time is, is Radiohead, for sure. Who's one of your favorite Who's 90s? your 90s? Who's your first 90s pick? Linda Perry. Well, well, good, good call. Yeah, good yeah. call. Uh, they, yeah. had, they had the couple albums that came out, uh, I don't know, 92 and like 94, and then she went solo. Yeah. And I think that she actually blossomed more. And we've had this conversation before about her. Like, I didn't know what she was doing, but she was actually in L.A. producing. And she yeah, was, like, some big Pink, artists. Pink's first album she produced. Mm. And it no, was, second was, album. Yeah, it was her second, second album. album. Her but, breakthrough album, for yes. sure. Yeah. Yes. And uh, uh, But uh, she did this solo tour. Like, I, I feel like blessed to be able to see her. I think I've seen her twice. But the most memorable one was in Boulder on her first album on In Flight. Um, I think it was In Flight. Um, maybe that's the Four Non Blondes album. But she's went on to produce a lot of people. Oh yeah, and it, well, because of the success of the Pink album, is she got a lot more work. People because people didn't know that she had that ear, ear, and, yeah, ear and, and talent, and co-write. She because mm-hmm. she had co-write a lot yeah. of that music as well. Yeah, but that was two thousand and five. So that was actually 
I'm looking at her discography. But she's a 90s artist. I mean, she's a 90s yeah, artist. Yeah, yeah. So the album I was thinking of was in 2005, so this is probably 2006. But taking yeah. it back to Four Non Blondes, which was in the 90s, yeah. they had the hit What's Going On. That entire album is amazing. I love pure... Uh, I mean, I grew up on Janis Joplin, and then, mm-hmm. um, and, and I'll actually take this a little bit step further. I love female vocalists from that blues, that that in that smoky voice category. Yeah. And uh, another one along Linda Perry is Joan Osborne. Yes. But before you get to yes. whatever her second album was, mm-hmm. the one the one that made her big, the second or third, the one that she got big on, which I actually don't like. Uh-huh. She has a live album out that she did years before. Yeah. That is absolutely probably her best work yeah. in my opinion because her you can feel her soul in it yeah not rel- relish is the album that made her big right yeah. right but the album the the uh, she does a version of uh blue million miles on it that will just i allow it will bring me to tears because it's just so intense there's a fine young band that's that mostly does covers but has some original music as well um they have a, an amazing young talented singer with that same smoky voice they're called liliac you can find them rather easily. They're all over social media, and they, yeah, they do yeah. they do they tour quite extensively. They, I mean, they're a good band as a whole, but the singer is the star by far. She yeah. has an amazing voice. She's a huge um, Ronnie James Dio aficionado. She uh-huh. loves him. Him and they, you know, she's done work with uh, Benny Abbasi and things like that as well. On top of the the family band, yeah. but she's got a voice too. She's okay. a classic voice for the ages. You know, like that she even if she doesn't make it even if the band doesn't make it I think she will she have some sort of career have you heard of an artist or a band called Pretty Reckless the Pretty Reckless yeah and that's the lead singer that is that girl from the um, the Grinch the Grinch yes. yeah she's I, I just, got a I, you great know, voice she's got a good voice but they haven't found what to do with her that I kind of put that in the same category yeah. as um, uh, Hailstorm Lizzie yeah. Hale is a fantastic vocalist and guitar player but they haven't quite found the right the breakthrough the, yeah and they, they, they're trying different things and it's just not quite there, but still very talented. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Linda Perry is a great. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, and uh, and back to Joan Osborne. She actually because she was such a good um, vocalist, and I know to each its own. But the Dead actually used her yes, on used tour yes. because she you know has such an amazing Joan's voice. Vocals for Donna. Yeah. yeah. So that's a yeah, that's a really we're, good. We replaced Donna. What's your next one, John? Johnny. So these guys blew up that year, but. It was still one of these bands that was like, the best is yet to come. And some people love them, hate them. You know, some people say, fuck them, they're not punk. Regardless of what your feelings are, I still, you know, wrote some great fucking material. And I would see them if they came through in a heartbeat, and it is Green Day. Green Day is one of these bands that, you know, with, uh, what's the album? Dookie. Dookie. (laughs) You know, but they had an album out before that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... I'm saying they broke Duke through Duke in the nineties. Yes. yes, you're absolutely right. But they to even know that during this time that that album, I mean, that could, they could have been you know one hit wonder boom and that would have been it for them. But they had yet the best, the best to come. You really know, Joe Armstrong is an excellent vocalist, and they knew they knew exactly what they were as well. They were a pop punk band out of Southern California mm-hmm. on that same genre as everybody else, or that same you know scene once again. Right. Um, and yeah, a lot of people didn't like it because they were more pop than punk. Yeah. But that just speaks to Billy Joel's Armstrong's um, ability, songwriting ability. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree that their better work came as they went along because they were able to break free from the shackles of the pop punk and do what they wanted to do. And I think American Idiot is their finest moment. I love that album. I think it's a it's a it's a great statement album. It's a great um, music and uh, lyric album. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, I said, yeah, they're still going strong today, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I, I yeah I agree with you. Yeah, they 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 came yeah. in and they they kind of 
opened the door, I and then want, they I'm kept not, on opening the door. I don't want to take anybody's list if it's on their list, but Blink-182 mm-hmm. is in that kind of that same vein. I don't think they're quite as talented as Green Day, yeah. but, but look what they're doing now. They just reformed, yeah. and, and their tickets are selling like crazy at thousands of dollars a pop. Yeah. So there's still a market, and there's still a, exactly. a fans out there who will, who will pay to see them. Um, it actually is my daughter's boyfriend's favorite band, <laughs> so she's yeah. gonna get to see that show. My yeah, daughter, my daughter's gonna get and to go to that yeah, show. Yeah, And I've seen Blink, and they're they're good live. They're a fun yeah. band. Travis Barker's a great drummer. He's probably the he's the talent of that band, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. But unfortunately, one of the worst experiences meeting them. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, well, yeah, we all have our bad experiences. Yeah, and it was it's sad because good. you know I was looking forward to meeting them and. They were. I have to be honest, kind of douchebags when I met them. You know, and that's you yeah. know, and I bet you if you if you brought if I you still got, think he's a douchebag. <laughs> I, still, I still think he's a douchebag. I think I if don't you, think anything has changed. I think if you got to meet them today, though, maybe it's maybe it's different. Exactly. Maybe they would yeah. say, "Hey, you yeah. know what? Yeah. You're coming yeah. in a bad night or something, or you know." Definitely that was the, during Dude Ranch. There's an album that came out called the tra- uh, Transplants. Mm-hmm. Travis Barker is in, and if you guys haven't listened to Transplants, it's mm-hmm. got it's got him in it. It's got Tim Armstrong from. Rancid in it, and then uh, this guy named was a ro- their roadie Rob Aston. That Transplants album actually supplants anything Blink One Eighty Two, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, and it and actually shows its true talent. Yes, yeah. it, yeah, it yeah. shows from a drumming standpoint. Just just from yeah. the, like that album, uh, my my friend Damien introduced it to me. Like I don't know. It sounds very familiar. I'm not sure if I listen. Yeah. I love Tim Armstrong. I like him a lot. It's hands down probably one of those albums that when you listen to, it, you're like. How the hell did this not get big? I'm really yeah. glad that this didn't get big. Oh, it's just like uh, Joe Strummer's um, last album. Right. It was one of those albums where it's like, why didn't this become huge? This was, he, you know, unfortunately passed away too soon. And his last album was one of the best albums I thought that came out that year. And um, it's the, oh, we fuck up the name of his group, the Mescalomas. Yeah, Mescaleros. The Mescaleros, Mescaleros. yeah. Yes. That's right. I think I remember that, that enjoying that album. I, I, think, I think I probably tried to push yes, it on you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, 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 I do remember. Yeah, it was called, called Street Core. It's an orange covered yeah, album. I'm familiar with it. And it's a great fucking album. I'm like, I was so sad when he passed away because I was a big Clash fan and he was one of those guys that was on my list. And I'm like, oh, I'll see him next time around. And there was no next time around. So I, uh, I said that one. What you got, man? My next one is, they, they kind of were late 80s into the early 90s. The album I want to highlight of them is from the 90s. Um, it's a band called Masters of Reality. Talking about bands that take yeah. their, their name from uh, songs. Um, they obviously took their name from the Black Sabbath song, but they sound nothing like Black Sabbath. The album I want to highlight that came out in the 90s is called Sunrise on the Suffer Bus. And that featured, uh, there were a three-piece outfit. And on this particular album, Ginger Baker played drums. Wow. And did a song as well. He also did a spoken word song called T-U-S-A. Yeah. And to be perfectly honest, I just listened to this album two day, yesterday, I think it was. I listen to this album a lot still to this day uh-huh. because I love the songwriting. I love the song craft. I love the weird, awkward style that Masters of Reality are because they're, they're, not, they're pop-ish, but they're not really pop. And they're rock, but they're not really rock. I mean, uh-huh. I don't even know how to describe them. They're kind of sli- slightly Americana, even though I'm not an Americana fan. Now, that's a whole other subject that we discussed. <laughs> um, but it's just, I don't know how to describe Master Reality. It's one minor hit on their first album, which was self-titled, uh, called uh, The Candy Song. And it was a minor radio hit. And then the second album, which was Sunrise, um, this album I'm talking about, had nothing. No one even knew this album came out. But mm-hmm. I instantly fell in love with it. And I, like I said, I still listen to this day. Uh, Chris Goss is the uh, singer-guitar player main member mm-hmm. of this band. And it's just... So you know, too, folks, that Ginger Baker considered one of the best 
one of the greatest. I mean, yeah, he played drummers. in Cream. He played in you know uh, with uh, uh, with Hendrix and you know mm-hmm. the guy. Yeah, yeah. He until his passing was still considered one of the great drummers of all time. And well, he still is, whether he's alive or not. He's still yeah. one of the greatest drummers of all time. And I heard yeah. somebody never wanted to get on somebody's bad side oh, that's either. For sure. he, he was he, quite uh, vocal. He infamously had an argument with the state of Colorado or wherever he was living at the time that caused him to leave Colorado because of yeah. some sort of you know. Districting or something. <laughs> yeah, because he was a cranky old British guy. Um, in fact, his song on the album called TUSA, the diatribe is about how um, the Americans cannot make a good cup of tea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's it's you know if yeah if you if you're if you're willing to look it up, find it on your favorite streaming service. It's it's a it's an excellent album. I remember that? Man. Yeah, it's uh, just, and it's their stuff in general. They have a newer they have some newer material um, that I haven't really delved into enough yet, but I'm going to. But their first two albums and the live album. Are very very good. Who you got, Jeremy? Uh, I'm going to transition because you took the words out of my mouth. Live. Oh, the band live. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, throwing copper. So throwing copper. Uh, that was actually second album. Second album. Yeah. Mental, mental, first album. mental jewelry. Yeah, mental yeah. jewelry actually. Yeah, uh, I remember I, that too. I though. Got yeah, mental yeah. jewelry is a promo copy. Right. They had the one hit on that one. Yeah, and that entire album, I remember listening to that album. That, and that album, I actually liked that better than Throwing Copper. Well, Mental Jewelry was a good album. The Throwing Copper was like the like we were talking about with Alice in Chains. Mental Jewelry was the debut, and then Throwing Copper was the established right. second album right. where they really got to kind of flesh out what they wanted to do and had the bigger hits. Right. Um, I liked I, them both, and then the album after that was pretty good too. Although I got tired of Lightning Crashes. We saw them and actually we met did. Them. We did. Red Rocks, right? Uh, no, it was at the Gothic. Wow. No, no, no. The Ogden. The Ogden. Sorry, it was at the Ogden. We were talking about bad experiences with band. That's one that comes to mind because yeah. we were at a show that was when Throwing Copper had just come out. I don't it didn't think, quite. I don't think I was with oh, maybe you weren't at that one, but my experience with them was we saw this show and Throwing Copper had just come out. It had not even broke yet. So they're basically a one-hit wonder band at this time, right. and on the cusp of becoming big. It was an after-show meet-and-greet, and it was all industry people. It wasn't fans. It was all retail mm-hmm. and label people, and the lead singer didn't even come out of the bus because he was tired. And then the rest of the band was just kind of they're trying to engage with them, and they're just kind of signing stuff and you know, kind of really just not really engaging. And I'm thinking to myself, I get it. You just got through playing a show. But if you're a band that's up and coming, and you know anybody you want to at least give a few minutes of your time would be the people like us, the yeah. label people, the retailers, and all these people who are going to push your record. So yes. I was a little disappointed in that. You know, it didn't, didn't disparage my love of the music, though, but it disparaged my, my view of them as people. And it may or may not play you know, into their karma. You know, I mean, if they were just not doing it there, they could have been doing that everywhere. True. And then that's what the reflection is Actually, now. Actually, thinking yeah. about it, sorry, I think it was the drummer who didn't want to come out of the bus, and it was the singer I had the bad experience with. Yeah. I had the same experience where I think you were there for that show. It was with uh, Dada. We saw Dada at the Bluebird Theater. Yeah. And what was their big hit, Dada? Uh, Disneyland. Disneyland. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So I saw them, and then and then after the show, they were out front, and we did like a small meet and greet, and they were kind of standoffish. And fast forward to today, I actually went to high school with the guitarist's wife, and we were really good friends in high school, and so it's very weird. And I and I actually started. It was just weird that whole like 
dynamic. Yeah. The dynamic was like, but I remember seeing those guys, and I had that same feeling with Dada. I love the band. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like you say, it's a slice of the moment. Right. We don't know what they were right. going through at the time, and I and I hate to I hate the team. I try very hard not to talk negatively when we're doing these podcasts because it's. It's not what it's about, you know. Everybody has their own yes, taste. Yes, exactly. And I, and I try, and I try you to. You don't know what's about. going on in their life. You know exactly. what, you know, and, what and, moment. You know, and maybe if we met, if they're touring today and I met them, they could be super gracious. And you know, we've met all between the three of us. Uh, we've met a lot of famous people over the years, yeah, and it's yeah. always a hit and miss experience. And we don't know what's going on with those people at that time. And I have to say, generally, a large portion of the time, it's a great experience and it's very enjoyable. Hundred percent, you know. And I like I'm watching over again. I mentioned this already in a couple podcasts back is that I'm rewatching something because of just the being able to have my own experience like you're talking about but also just it's kind of cool to see this view and it is a TV show regardless but it was something Cam and Crow created was called Roadies and it oh, was yeah, only ran- love that show it was that. so yeah, yeah. fucking good uh, you, you and I have spoken about it because we both enjoyed it because I think it was, it was definitely done from a music fan's perspective exactly and you know the whole like the uh, Ron White the comedian Ron White had that he was the king roadie in that yeah, yeah. show, and the story he tour told, manager yeah yeah he was the tour manager but to, to, telling the story of how he had the relationship with uh, Leonard Skinner Leonard, yeah with Leonard Skinner what's his name from the Leonard original Skinner. Leonard Skinner why can't I think of his name Ron, uh, Van Zandt yeah Ronnie, Ronnie Van Zandt that whole Van Zandt it, 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 that was amazing so well done so and it good. makes me wonder though too because like. This is one thing reason why I love Cam and Crow so much. That was my introduction introduction to Halsey. Was that show? (laughs) Holy and Lucius for me. And uh, what's his name? The Wolf guy. What's that? uh, Rain Wolf. Yeah. With the 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 guitar. Yes, just yeah. Fucking killer. Yeah, it was amazing. Like this, what what, I I saw that episode. I'm like, what the hell was that? And I went back and listened to his music. It was great. It ties back into though that whole Leonard Skinner thing. Like, it makes me wonder if this is. Cameron Crowe's experience when he was working for Rolling Stone. You know, like all the interviews he had, like with the Allen Brothers Zeppelin, you know, like he was this, you know, fly on the wall, you know, with all these experiences. And I thought, what better show to like, kind of like, okay, maybe it's about them. We don't know, but this is a cool story. You know, like, (laughs) you know, like, you know, backstage experiences with bands and just being on tour with bands and then dealing with, you know, the egos and the eccentrics and the, them dealing with alcohol or drugs (laughs) or whatever it might be or sexuality and all that backstage experience. And, uh, I love it though. I love it a lot, and I wish it would have continued on. Eddie Vedder was on an episode. Uh, one of my favorite episodes was when um, uh, what's his name from um, The Office was a critic writer. They went with the glasses. Dwight Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson. He plays a music critic on one of the episodes, right. and he's an egocentric, you know, like blogger, and and they they dose him, and he has this like whole different <laughs> experience and shit. And, uh, the stories we have to tell, we have so many, True. you know, of like. Different experiences. I remember, you know, meeting Live. I met Live in Davenport, Iowa. It's, funny, it's funny, the three of us have all yeah. met them at different times. Yeah, and it was right before they were going to break. Right, and that, probably that same tour, because it was uh-huh. right as if Throwing Copper had just come out. Um, they were riding on the success of that one, the one hit single off Mental Jewelry. Um, and so that's why it was a little odd that they were a little acting like superstars, and they weren't quite there yet. Um, so maybe their attitude has changed. And they want to be even, the next album is even bigger than Throwing Copper. So here's mine. And here's the thing, though. They, I remember hearing them first in the 80s. I remember this girl wearing this t-shirt at school. And I'm like, who are these guys? And I was like, I'm told a lot of alternative music. 
And I remember listening to them and going, holy fuck, dude. Like, I don't know if, I think it might have been pre-smoking pot, but it definitely, <laughs> it definitely after smoking pot, listening to them, if it wasn't for the lead singer, you know, we wouldn't have this great tour. And that is Jane's Addiction and Perry Farrell. Just remember hearing Jane's Addiction, you know, in the early 90s going, who the fuck are these guys? They, they were definitely probably one of the most different bands of that era because no one, yeah. no, no one still sounds like Jane's. No. no. Perry yeah. Farrell's voice and the band itself, the mm-hmm. sound of the band, you know. And you could tell, like, they had kind of like a, if you do drugs, you're really going to experience <laughs> the situation. But even, like, you know, Stephen Perkins, great fucking drummer, dude. Just an amazing drummer. Um, Dave Navarro, guitar, and, you know, and I'm forgetting the bass player. Uh, yeah, just Jane's Addiction. They're going to be here uh, in December with Matthew I saw Lomans. them on the, on the first Lollapalooza, the very first Me Lollapalooza too. tour. I saw that tour, and it, yes. I was very, I, I always thought they were okay, and I, I saw them live, and I was like, wow, these guys, these a are no joke. Acts. Yeah, they're not, they're no joke. They're not a flash in the pants. Everybody, mm-hmm. know, everybody knows been caught stealing. Yeah, uh, yeah, but, but there's but there's other songs. You know, there's Jane said and mountain uh, song. Yeah, the mountain song. Love the mountain oh, song. Fuck. You know, so there's there's more to them than the hit. And yeah, and Perry Farrell definitely has a very unique voice, which makes yeah. them stand out. Uh, even the what was it, Porno for Pyros? His yes. side project was also very good mm-hmm. as well. Got to see them actually at the Ogden Porno for Pyros. I actually lived down the street there. Um, that was when I first moved here in '94. I live like not even a block down from Colfax and learned that whole life and style and experience. <laughs> oh, great memories, man. I remember being so fucked up at that Porno for Pyro show. There's another guy I, had to make, I wanted to make sure that he had out in the 90s because I, I, you know, I don't think he gets enough recognition. He's not definitely mostly a blues artist. He's mm-hmm. not necessarily pop, but I'm a huge fan. I think he needs a little bit more. His name is Tab Benoit. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, because Standing on the Bank was like his second album, I think it was. Second or third album. Um, that came out in the 90s. Uh, he got a couple small hits, mostly on the AOR stations, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. KBCO and things like that. Yeah, he's a fantastic guy, a good singer, one of the great modern blues guitarists of our time, for sure. And I, I got lucky enough to meet him on several occasions. He's just a sweet Louisiana guy, you know, talks, mm-hmm. with, talks with that Cajun accent, you know, yeah. and sings about crayfish and or crawfish and all that. And but it surprised me with a name called that. The Tab know? Benoit, <laughs> yeah. yeah. A little French style. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I definitely, uh, if you like... Modern blues, because I have to qualify that, because it's not a Holland Wolf and, and, and old school stuff. It's definitely more modern, but he's a, a good artist. Right on, man. Blues style, love it. Yeah. Thanks for making it up. <laughs> I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the refreshments. There you go. Ooh. There I'm just, you I'm go. just kidding. Because those at the table know that Jeremy's a huge refreshments and... Um, Roger Klein fam. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I guess this when you first heard him in the 90s? Yeah, 96. Dave... Rodriguez introduced him to me at Lakeside. Yeah, great, that's a great album. And, I still listen to that album to this day. We used to play the hell out of that album, and then kind of just like it grew from there. Like they broke up, they released two albums, they broke up, and then became Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. Like I have the nicety of like seeing Roger Klein and PH play at the Lions Lair, and just the two of them. You know what I'm saying? Like with 150 or 300 people before they were even the Peacemakers, and it was just. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of those things where I think about it now, and it's like, um, and I hate to say this, right? I, I'm going to bash them a little bit. They recently went back into the studio and revisioned 
some of their songs. And two of the songs that they've released so far, I absolutely can't stand the revision of it. It's like that sometimes. I I, I, I hear I I know that. I like I sometimes like live versions, kind right. of the same idea. Right. You know, so but, I get that. But but from a pure Americano rock and roll standpoint, that's all they are. I, I don't go to it's like um if you talk to people and if you ever look at the psychological uh, thought process behind watching uh shows over and over again, watching The Office over and over again. My wife will do that. She'll watch a show like over and over again because he becomes comfortable. You know that nothing's going to change. Like a nice right? warm blanket. It's exactly. It's like a nice warm blanket. Friends, match. Exactly. Those right. are things what, I, I, right. those are two that right. I watch constantly. You watch it over and over because uh-huh. you, you know what's going to happen and you know that nothing's going to change, right? And so when the brain needs that, you default to things. And that's Roger Klein and the Peacemakers for me, right? You can't... I've seen them probably legitimately... At least 30 times. I lost actual count on how many times I've actually seen them in one form or the other. And every single show, nothing changes, right? It's all the same songs. I, I have at least three set lists on the wall. We have an entire wall upstairs. It's all Roger Klein. And when I say an entire wall, we have more dedicated space for Roger Klein than anything else in this house, right? Of all the posters and shit that we've collected in my wife's office. Uh, the songs are the same. And, and and I know the cadences of the songs, and they all start off the same, and there's no derision from them. Is the and stage banter the same? 100%. Really? 100%. That, that's got, I mean, that's kind of a bummer, because at least right. it, it, it has, to be, it has to be mixed it up at least a little no, bit, you know? No, you can listen, you can listen to, to, to Mexico, for example, uh, one night, and go see them the same night. It's like, okay, so to that point, we saw them in Mexico. We went for a, a three-night show, right? And, and so they, they've got a couple shows during the year. I'm sorry, January Jam in January and Circus Mexicus in June. And we were there for, um, I think we were there for, this was a Circus Mexicus trip. I was actually disappointed because you would think if you're going to see your favorite band two nights in a row, and then on Sunday when everybody's recovering, a bunch of acoustic stuff, things like that, that the two nights, the two shows would be different. And they weren't. There was probably the first night was Friday night, and then they did. Can they sold it in blocks? You could buy all three nights, or you could buy Saturday night or Saturday night or whatever, right? First night was all this, and then the second night was almost exactly the same thing, even down to the time that the fireworks went off. <laughs> and so I was really disappointed because I thought, well, maybe I'll get to see some songs that I didn't see night two on night one. You would think that, yeah, right? that's set list, even just there for was, their own no, sake. There was like, yeah. like ninety percent of it was the same. I think there might have been one or two different songs the second night. But that being said, doesn't discount them from being being that band where like they're my office music wise. When I'm like, I can't think of anything else to listen, and I need to get out of my head or whatever, I throw in Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, and I am going to see them. This fall and like you know like yeah. this, I we followed them across the country. We followed them to, to another country. Like so, well, I, I think I saw the refreshments on that tour of that what's that meaty bitty big and bouncy album. Fizzy is, fuzzy big and buzzy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was mixing up the Who and Roger Klein. <laughs> I guess yeah. But no yeah but yeah that album there I think I saw them on that tour and I have never seen them. I have not seen them since. I'd love yeah. to see them again because that album is actually excellent. It's funny how we were talking about these. And my band, Moniker, who doesn't exist any longer, but we did Wood. We did a really good version of Wood. Uh-huh. And we used to do um, uh, Refreshments track as well. So you guys also did like a Stone by... Audio Slave? Audio Slave. Yeah. yeah, we tried to do that one. <laughs> I, 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 was, I love that song. Like, I like about, that song. Like, yeah. yeah, like I, that entire... Like I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to 
God. further into it. Amazing. Like so, so you guys are big Soundgarden fans, which I'm Soundgarden's not up there. For Chris Cornell is one of my No, Chris Cornell is the yeah, the vocals. And, 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 and I, I know Kim I, Theo had a great guitar sound right, too. Yeah, so yeah. but again, it's that, that tempo that's in my head. Yeah. The audio slave, however, and like a stone, there is something about that song that my brain just defaults to, especially that guitar song. Mm-hmm. That guard is like three quarters of the way through it. And, and the first time I heard that I was like it's all in here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I if I say anything that, that Chris Cornell did, and using that holistically, if I didn't like anything he ever did, and he did one thing to touch my heart, it was that song. And yeah. it is an artist to be able to do that, to have this entire huge catalog of different things they're doing, yeah. and and being able to just have a person go, no, I'm not a Soundgarden fan. I generally don't go out of my way to listen to yeah. it, but will praise that song uh-huh. for what it did to me. That's what music is about to me. You know, even going um, back to that soundtrack singles, he had a solo acoustic song on there called Seasons, right. which is just like amazing, you know, beautiful song. But Be Yourself, also from Audio Slave, right. great I, fucking song, man. I enjoyed that album. I thought, mm-hmm. I, I thought the first one was pretty good. I always thought that that band should have been better given the uh, talent, given the talent and the group itself. But I mean that's just that's just my opinion. I still like their stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the band covered. You know, we covered that song. Yeah. Um, I'm no Chris Cornell by any means. Always will be one of the best vocalists. One of the great one of the great vocalists of our generation mm-hmm. by far. He had a unique uh, unique sound to his voice and a lot of power behind it. And uh, he's an excellent lyricist and a pretty decent little guitar player too. His uh, the uh, uh, what was it? Uh, what's the name? It was the, the he had a solo album, the Euphoria's Daydream or something yeah. like that? I can't yeah. remember right off the top of my head yeah. the name of his album. But that was a really solid album on its own as well. Yeah, and I mean that was one of those things where I was luckily to capture that moment in time because. I saw him on his acoustic solo tour, and then a few months I, later, he was gone. I, I, and he's one of those artists, and I think maybe you just made, you, you connected the dot or something, man, why I'm not that big of a Soundgarden fan, and it could be Kim Thayall, it could be the guitar from it. Yeah. Because when I, when I think about uh, Chris on his own, his vocal, I think I might have to go back, and I think I've heard that acoustic album, or heard some mm-hmm. of it or whatever, and I think I really enjoyed it. I think him, yeah. with just an acoustic guitar, I think that's actually, in my opinion, what he came into was like his truest form. Because for me, if you dig it down, I actually prefer acoustic sets, yes. right? Because I think there's a purity. There's mm-hmm. a, a, a music comes out in a pure level. On, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, um, but I can say honestly, and I probably get shit for, it, but I don't care if I get shit for this one. Is that I hold Cornell up the same caliber as a Robert Plant. He can do the loud and the soft. And I won't, and I won't argue with that with you on that on any level whatsoever. I agree with you one hundred percent. But I think actually the Soundgarden thing is is the musicians behind him. So now I'm going to have to go back and listen to just Chris Cornell's. Mm-hmm. And maybe I right. can, maybe I can start having an appreciation and establish appreciation like you guys have personally. And I know I'm taking this off track here. I don't like it when we have these conversations, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I don't like being like, oh, I don't like this person. I can't get into this. You can, like, no, I understand that. But no, but I think Jeremy said the same thing I do. I, I try really hard not to be very judgmental exactly. because uh, this podcast is about music and it's about for everybody. Mm-hmm. And just because we're we're giving our opinions doesn't mean we have you know we shouldn't be right. like, well, I don't like that guy. I most of the time will just say it's not my thing. not yeah. my thing, not my cup of tea, not the thing. It's something I enjoy. You know, and that's fine because if you enjoy it, that's fine. It's like eating food. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't stand walnuts and pecans. I have never been able to. Okay, but every three or four years, I will go back and I will try to eat a walnut or pecan or even olives. I can't fucking stand olives, right? But I will try to go back and see if my taste buds have changed. Yeah, yeah. I'm learning that with music that 
Uh, if you would have asked that's me a, this that's 10 years ago... That's a good ago, analogy. Right, like yeah. ten, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, I, I would have said, no, I'm not a Soundgarden. I'm not this or that. And I would be like, no, I'm not going to. And now that's not the case. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to at least try so I have a, a continued heard opinion. Not that's not the right. Continued, yeah. I, I, feeling. I, yeah, whatever. continued feeling. Yeah, yeah. Our feelings and music. That's the stuff that I'm all about right there, folks. That was the first part of our conversation with jeremy mccree and mr jack miller i really love the roads and avenues we are going down there with our musical tastes and experiences of 90s music being that the three of us all were working in sam goody stores at that time and enjoying the opportunities we had as far as you know being backstage or just in general listening to the music we were able to listen to and being turned on by the different things that the record companies were letting us check out. So the second part will be out next week. I hope you enjoyed that segment. Just some side notes here. As far as music new releases this week, there was a big release for Miss Taylor Swift. Her new album called Midnight, the 3AM edition, came out. Snoop Dogg's Gangsta Grills, I Still Got It. An album I've been waiting for and a tour I'm looking forward to next year. The Arctic Monkeys dropped their new album, The Car. Very, very good. If you love alternative music, I definitely suggest you checking that out. A couple female artists alongside Taylor that dropped some albums this week. Megan Trainer taking it back. And Carly Rae Jepsen, The Loneliest Time. Babyface came out with Girls Night Out. Gucci Mane. So Icy Boys 22, The Very Talented, Tegan and Sarah, Cry Baby, Mercy Me, Always Only Jesus, perhaps one of the biggest religious bands that is out there, a very popular 80s band that dropped a brand new album, Direction of the Heart by Simple Minds, don't you forget about them, Archers of Loaf, Reason and Decline, Sloan, the album Steady, and those are our music new releases for October 21st, 2022. I'm going to leave you one, one last note here. We have an election coming up here fairly soon. And we, as a people, are seeming to become more and more tribalized, I guess is the word I want to use. We have our different views and our different beliefs. And there's one thing I try to do with this podcast and in general in my life with my friends, and that is to be a good listener, to be open to what they have to talk about and suggest. But the big thing is I try to listen. I try to be aware of what they have as far as feelings are about whatever views they have in life. If we could all as a people be more open to do that, I think, I hope, that that would open some doors to bridge some of these differences we have. I try to do that with the podcast as far as music is involved, but I really feel that with the election coming up, I hope that you all make the right decisions and the choices you make and that we have some sort of acceptance for the differences we have. That is really hard to do sometimes because we are so stuck in our ways that any suggestion of change there's been some resistance please 
do your best to try and listen, but also just try to do your best to have some respect and compassion for your fellow Americans. And that ties into how I always leave my podcast, and I hope you can do that, folks. Please do your best to take care of each other out there. And until next time, please use the positivity of music to get you through life. Thank you. Hi, this is Johnny. I'm your host, and you are listening to Music Seeds. The music that made us.